I was driving back home from uh, work a couple of weeks ago and I was listening to the radio. Uh, they, they had a relationship expert on and she was doing an interview with the radio jockey. She had identified a problem about marriages these days, which is, she said it was difficult for one person to be compatible with you emotionally, sexually, intellectually, and in every way, right? And then she goes on to suggest a solution, and she says married couples these days, I'm sure you've heard this before, married couples these days should define what does exclusivity mean to them as a couple. Do I want to be just sexually exclusive or emotionally exclusive and, and are free to go and satisfy the other needs outside of their marriage. And this was advice on the radio. I don't know how many people are listening to the radio, but this is advice given on the radio. And I thought to myself, the culture is shifting so quickly around us from underneath us. And there are so many things that we know to be true and once were widely accepted despite what you believed in, which are now being rejected as wrong and outdated. Do you, do you, do you face that? Do you face that tension living in the world, world out there today? And I'd be really naive to think, that it's not affecting our own belief systems as Christians. I'm sure some of these things are shaking our core beliefs. Deep down in our hearts, in our heads we probably believe what the Bible says, but functionally in our hearts this is shaking our core beliefs and we are probably questioning some things. In this day and age, how do we hold on to the truth of God's word? How do we trust God's word and dwell in the word? The text we're going to be looking at talks about this today. It's, it's part of a letter that an amazing follower of Jesus called Paul is writing to, to his disciple called Timothy. Um, the, the context is Paul is warning Timothy of an increasingly godless world. And he gives him a very strong exhortation. I requested Varsha to read uh, this, this short text for us. It's Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Thank you, Arsha. Shall we just pray before we begin? Lord, we come to your word in a posture of humility, in a posture of surrendering to the authority that it has, that it is living, that it's God's very breath breathed out in these pages, His words. Holy Spirit, would you, would you humble our hearts and surrender and, and listen to what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to be looking at. We look at the exhortation itself. What is it? The second thing is the purpose of this exhortation. And the third thing is, how does this exhortation work in us? Yeah? 
the exhortation, the purpose, and how does this exhortation work in us? It's, it's, it's straight up there, the exhortation in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Let's pause there. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Who is Timothy? Timothy was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. He was probably no older than late teens or early 20s. And from Paul's letters, we get to know that Timothy was brought up in a very godly way by his mother and by his grandmother. They've taught him scriptures right from his childhood. So when Paul came and preached the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, all his scriptures that he's learned was made him already ready, so he believed it, and he believed it firmly. Then Timothy goes to travel with Paul on his mission trips to preach the gospel, and Paul calls him in 1 Timothy chapter 2, my true son in the faith. Isn't that beautiful? And then he even says, Timothy has genuine faith. He trained him in everything. Simply put, he was Paul's protege. And to this person with genuine faith, his true son in the faith, he's exhorting him to continue in what he's learned and what he's believed. He's not writing to a backsliding Christian. He's not writing to someone who's on the brink of leaving faith. He's writing to a faithful, a person of genuine faith. So let's look at two things. What does he mean by this? exhortation and why is he saying this what does he mean by what does he mean by continue in what you have learned and firmly believed he's asking him to hold on to it to guard it to remain in it and to dwell in it the the truth that he knows in his mind hold on to it guard it and dwell in it. But why is this exhortation needed? If you look at the, the verse, it says, but you continue. Why is he saying the but? Because he is contrasting some other people in verse 13, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Timothy, you continue because there are so many people who are going away from the truth of God's word. This, this word that he uses for will go on means to advance, to proceed, to progress, basically walk away from the truth. That's the culture. So Timothy, now more than ever, hold on to it, guard it, dwell in it. As followers of Jesus, living in this busy city of Mumbai, aren't we all vulnerable to walk away and not dwell in God's word. You know, I work full-time in this church as a pastor, and I know that this is a struggle for me working with the church, in the church. And I can only imagine how much it is a struggle for those of us who are out there in the marketplace. One of the major reasons why we are not able to dwell on God's truth and God's word enough is that because we are so busy. Work is busy. It's, it's keeping us, no matter what we do, it's no longer just a few jobs now which are hectic. Everyone, no matter what we do, work 
is busy, whether it's at work or whether it's at home, work is busy. And there's so much to do. And in these busy seasons, the one thing that we are most vulnerable and likely to skip is our time with God's word. All of us know this. This is not new to us. This happens to me when when work is busy, especially during my sermon prep week. My mind is fresh and early in the morning, right? Sermon thoughts flow really well. I'm a morning person. So as soon as I wake up, my immediate instinct is to get onto my sermon prep. But here's the thing. That morning time is also my personal devotion time. That's where I read the Bible for my own heart. Sermon also I read for my own heart. But my personal devotion time is primarily for my own sustenance. So one of the two things happen. The first thing either is I completely skip it and go to my sermon prep. Or the second thing is just because I have to do it, I open those passages and just glance through them. And while I'm glancing through them, the, the, the sermon flow is going on at the back of my mind. The thoughts are flowing. So I'm just doing it to finish those chapters and get back on to my sermon text. You see, I'm reading the Bible, but what I'm dwelling on really is my work. And that's the posture with which I'm coming to reading my Bible. What we dwell in will influence everything else about our life. And the culture we live in celebrates dwelling in our work. It celebrates sleeping work, waking up work, breathing work. And our work, I don't know if you noticed, our work dictates every other aspect of our life. Isn't it? We're scheduling things around our work. A family around our work. That is why Paul is asking Timothy to continue to dwell in the scriptures. He knows the strong pull that the culture can have on our hearts, irrespective of who you are, whether you're a believer or not. He's seeing many people walking away from the word. So he's telling Timothy, dwell in God's word. And this applies even more to us in this day and culture. What does continuing in dwelling on God's word look like? It's, des- it's definitely not giving up everything, taking our Bible to the hill and reading it 24-7. It's great if you're able to do that, you know, on, on, in seasons on, on particular days. But that's, that's not what Paul is telling. It's basically having God's word, the truth of God's word, top of mind as we go about life and, and allowing this truth to shape every other part of our life. Just like work shapes every other part of our life, Paul is saying, let the word of God do it. Dwell in the word of God so it will shape everything else about our life. You know, just last week, um, I mean, on Thursday, I was doing my, uh, I was working here. And about lunchtime, my friend told me at about three o'clock, we'll take a tea break, right? Um, So I get back to my work and I'm working and three o'clock is approaching and I'm just hoping he forgot it because I don't want to stop my work and take that break because that means 15 minutes is gone. 
So I'm just hoping, I hope that he forgets it. I hope that he forgets it. At three o'clock he comes. Say, shall we go? Every inclination of my heart wanted to say no. But in that moment, something beautiful happened. The Holy Spirit reminded me, convicted me of my heart, and I, of the sinfulness in my heart, and said, my work is about serving others. It's not just selfishly for my own self. No matter where you are, it's not just pastor, even at your workplaces, we are there to serve others and work for God's glory and not just for ourselves. So every inclination of my heart was to say no, but I did end up going. And those 15 minutes were beautiful. I made so many new friends. I, I deepened our bond with, with the friend who called me and I came back refreshed. Friends, what am I saying? When we are work, when we are at work, the culture is constantly getting us to absolutize it, worship it, lay our whole, di- whole life down to it, but dwelling on the truth of God's word. At that point in time, that truth came like, a, like an arrow and convicted me of my sinfulness and gave me the actual perspective that I need to not let my work consume me in that moment. I'm really hoping that we are able to see how reading the Bible and enjoying the Bible is not just a spiritual thing to do. It's not just something to do to keep our spiritual side active. I'm, I'm hoping that you are able to see that God's word, reading God's word is about all of life. It impacts all of life. I'm really hoping that we're seeing the importance and how crucial it is to us. Let's dive a little more into why we need to do this. Let's look at the purpose of this exhortation. Paul is saying, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, the call to continue in the word is so that we are made, for, made wise for salvation. Salvation is the goal. That's the purpose. That's, that's the reason why we need to continue in this word. Our ongoing, continual salvation, which Bible scholars call it sanctification. If you're new to church, what does this mean? When Jesus died on the cross, he, he paid, for, the, the penalty of sin is removed. I'm not going to spend an eternity away from God. I'm going to spend an eternity with him. But still living in the day today, the presence of sin is so real. Our, the mess in our hearts is so real. Jesus is continually, day by day, giving us power over that, our sinfulness. And this is our ongoing salvation, our sanctification. And Paul is saying, this is the purpose. This is why you need to continue in the word. And he goes on to show how this works. Look at what he's saying in verse 16. He's saying the word of God is profitable because all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. 
Isn't that beautiful? He's not saying it's profitable because when we, it, it helps us to find confirmations for our plans. He's not saying it's profitable because it has the promises that we desperately need when we are going through difficult times. It does that. It does all of this. But he's not saying it's profitable because of that. He's not saying it's profitable because God is going to measure the daily Bible reading streak on our version Bible app and bless you and reward you according to it. He's saying it's profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's God's sanctification work in us. That's the ultimate purpose of reading God's word. Friends, if our sanctification is the purpose of reading God's word, what is our heart posture when we come to read God's word? Are we coming to it as we are sinners in need of salvation? Are we coming to it and saying, Lord, save me. Lord, I'm, I'm messed up. My heart is, is messed up. Would you save me today? And do that again the next day and do that again because it's ongoing. Or are we reading to make ourselves feel better and check off something or list or to earn some blessing from God? My question is, do we experience reproofing, correcting, and training in righteousness as we read God's word? Or more likely, is that why we come to it? Of course, the Bible comforts us and encourages us and lifts us up, but it does that by saving us from our own sinfulness and correcting us and reproofing us and training for righteousness. I just want to look at three ways in which we stop continuing and dwelling in the word. The first is obvious. We've, we've spoken about it. It happens when we are not enjoying the word consistently. If I were to ask ourselves this question, let's be really honest. If the Bible is taken away from us, will it make any difference to our lives today? I'm not asking what it should be. Not, I'm asking what it is. Even though we know in our minds that it is the very breath of God, we function and, and live as if... We don't need it to sustain our daily life. I know many of us find it challenging. You know, A.W. Tozer says, Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to me. What enemies, what are these really harmless enemies, which are actually good, but we're absolutizing them, are keeping us away from God's word. And the second way to walk away and not continue in God's word, it happens when, when we read God's word and we hear God's word, but it happens when we stop experiencing the reproofing, the correcting, and the training for righteousness that the Bible is talking about. This is because even though we read God's word, we are interpreting it in our own way in a way that's comfortable to our hearts. You know, we, we make the Bible all about us, sinfully. When we, when we read David and Goliath's story, we make it about, we are the Davids, that God is giving us victory in this world to conquer every enemy of ours and slay them down. 
when we read parts of the bible that we don't like are not familiar with or are uncomfortable to us we skip them you know the parts of the bible that seem wrong or uncomfortable to us are the parts through which god is saving us he's saving us from our sinfulness through those very parts that's the second way in which we walk away what's the third way we do hear god's word we read god's word we experience the reproofing correction etc but we don't remain in it longer for it to have any impact for it to actually transform our life you know the way our our seeing jesus together journal is is structured there is no way we can ignore our sin because every day it's asking what is the sin from this passage so if you're doing it i'm sure that we are experiencing the reproofing that we are forced to see into our own hearts but i am so vulnerable to this the moment i'm done shut my bible come out i'm thinking about something else that that thought is just remains there on very few days do i actually continue to think about it and allow it to rest in my heart and and save me friends how are we walking away from dwelling in god's word shall we look at at how does this exhortation work in our hearts i know that our struggle to continue in god's word and dwell in it is real let's acknowledge it first the goal of this talk is not to induce guilt is not to to induce shame in any of our hearts in fact the goal is completely opposite it is to relieve us of our guilt how does this exhortation work let's look at that very verse these scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus the text says that the word of god makes us wise for salvation how is it doing it it's not doing it through our own works it's not giving us 100 steps to do this it's saying it's through faith in christ jesus what does this mean of course we are saved and and our salvation the rem- the penalty is removed jesus death on the cross removed the penalty of our sin and that happened through faith of course we all believe that when we believe it we are saved but the scripture is also saying our everyday reproofing correcting our daily sanctification is also through faith in Christ Jesus if if you are at new city for any length of time you know this but here's what's happening friends in our natural posture we are all vulnerable to take that pressure upon ourselves to work our way to better ourselves we we are our natural posture is not to put our faith in Christ for our sanctification only god's word reading dwelling in it can make us wise for salvation for helping us see that our salvation is through faith in Christ here's why we need to, here's a very good reason why we need to continue and and go to our word consistently because the longer we stay away from it the longer we will feel the need that we have to work on our own sanctification have you experienced it 
when when we go through seasons long seasons of not reading the bible the guilt is so real i don't want to come back to it because i've gone already four days and i and i feel so terrible in my heart but here's what the word of god is saying when you come to the word open the scripture so yes it reproves you it corrects you it convicts you but it shows you that there is no guilt and no shame in jesus because he's removed the penalty of our sin and even our current salvation is through faith in him as we daily cooperate and and participate in the work that he is doing in our hearts apart from enjoying the word daily we will not enjoy this fact because the longer we stay away from it the longer we will feel that guilt and the pressure to work on it by our own selves followers of jesus are you feeling that guilt today are you feeling that shame today that i'm not enjoying god's word as much as i need to jesus is saying the guilt and shame have have been put to death on the cross hey experience the sweet conviction and come enjoy my salvation today no matter how long it's been that you've been away from God, from my own word come see in those scriptures every page is telling you a story that you cannot do it by yourself every page is telling you a story that jesus died to save you from that very thing you are struggling with that's what the bible is doing if you are staying away from it that truth is not reinforced in our hearts if you're not a follower of jesus and in case you're wondering why are we still talking about the importance of reading the bible isn't it like a religious book which is outdated i know that the culture and even some christians see the bible as a bunch of rules to follow a bunch of outdated rules to follow to be saved but friends the bible is this is how it is different from every religious book it is not a bunch of rule book to earn our salvation it is the salvation story itself it's the good news of god for our salvation it has power to change our lives today you know charles colson um, he's a founder of prison fellowship ministries he does outreach to convicts victim, victims of crime and justice this is what he says the bible banned burned beloved most more widely read more frequently attacked than any other book in history generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it dictators of every age have outlawed it and executed those who read it yet soldiers carry it into battle believing it to be more powerful than their weapons fragments of it smuggled into solitary in the prison have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints this is the power of god's word would you like to experience this for your own hearts if you're if you're an explorer and you've never read the bible hey if 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 you are experiencing any interest in this moment would you walk up to any of us we'll be very happy to share a copy only if you are interested
The call this morning is not how to read our Bible better. It's to read, is to meet the Jesus that these scriptures are talking about. That only these scriptures talk about. For both of us are believers and explorers. Allow me to just pray and close. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you because you're doing something powerful in our hearts. You are rising, raising our affections for Christ. You are gently calling us back to the ageless truths in your word. You're gently calling us back to ground ourselves in it. To experience the life that it talks about, that it has God's very power in our hearts. To experience that reproofing, that correcting, that, that training for righteousness that makes us ready for every good work. Would you help us participate in this work? Holy Spirit, even as we go back into the week and then we are so tempted to dwell in everything else, more importantly our work, would you allow us, bring us back to a point of dwelling in God's rich word. Do this. Do this to our hearts. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.